turn in your Bibles to Revelation 4. Today we'll, um, we'll be in Revelations 4 and 5. Um, we'll start out in chapter 4 first. I'll be reading Revelations 4 and 5. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and the one seated on the throne, with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From a throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches with fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was at it a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, set out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. 
Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing, honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you for this passage and just the hope that we have in you, the one seated upon the throne, the lamb who was slain for our sins. What else can we do but praise and worship you? Lord, help us in these next moments. Just fill our hearts with gratitude Help us not to be callous to truths that we've heard before. Open our minds and our hearts. In your name, amen. So if you're like me, when someone says they're going to preach on Revelation, you perk up. Revelations is exciting. There's controversy. There's, there's this view, that view, um, and these views argue with each other, and there's symbols, and and there's pictures, and like, what do all these things mean? So Revelation is exciting. Um, what we're going to do is a little bit different. The plan for these chapters, we're going to walk through four. The primary focus will be in five. But to fully understand chapter five, we must walk through chapter four. And not to say this is not going to be all exciting and controversial. It's, we're going to remember. C.J. Mahaney says in his book, um, The Cross-Centered Life, some of life's most important truths are often the ones easiest to forget. So the point of this passage is not, um, it's not controversy. It's not this view versus that view. It's to remember. So in order to do that, I need you guys to do a few things for me. In these next moments, I need you to use your imagination to the, just let your imagination go wild. I, I think when you read something like this, automatically something comes to your head. Let, let your imagination run wild. Um, there's so much in here. Just imagine like crazy. Pay attention in these words, in these chapters, to the repetition there's, there's key themes that are running through this. Pay attention. Whatever repeats itself is important. One more quote from C.J. Mahaney. We never move on from the cross, only to a more profound understanding of the cross. The cross and its meaning aren't something we ever master. So let's jump into chapter 4. So, the seven letters to the seven churches have just been read. And now a new vision is happening with John. 
So after this, John looks, and behold, a door open in heaven, and a voice that tells him to come up here, and I will show you what must take or must, what will take place after this. So after the letters, now we're moving on to another vision. And so the first thing, I kind of I vision these two chapters almost as looking at it through a camera lens, just the way the chapter moves. So if we look at it this way, the scene is heaven, and the very first thing at the focal point of the lens is the throne. That that's that's the first thing that John keys in on. And the one who is seated upon the throne. So at once I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven, and the one who was seated on the throne, and he who sat there, had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. These are red gems, if that helps your imagination. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders. So I, I find it extremely interesting in this picture where, you know, your imagination just it can go crazy. The focal point is the throne with the one who is seated upon the throne, and only two words are used to describe this. As we go on, we see John uses great detail, so it's not because he doesn't know how to describe things, but only two words are able to be uttered to even describe this one on the throne. And we'll see as the chapter goes on, and in the next chapter, there'll be more things to describe that, but John can only use two words in this. So we go on from there. There's one on the throne. He is the, the focal point of what we're looking at right now. And then John backs out a little bit. So now there are four creatures sitting on around the throne. And he describes these. From the thrones were flashes of lightning, rumblings of pearl, uh, peals of thunder. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind like a lion, like an ox, like an eagle in flight, and like the face of a man. So there's these four creatures. And what I really want to key in, in this chapter and the next chapter, is the songs that are being sung. The songs that are being sung will give us more um, an idea of what is going on, and more of, you know, we'll learn more about the one who is on the throne. So these songs, I believe, are, are the key to understanding more of what is happening right here. So these, these four creatures say... Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. All day and all night. So another thing, pay attention, when, when it says all, when it says no one, it means all, no one. All day, all night, these four creatures never stop saying this. Right now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The highest praise to the one who's on the throne right now is happening all day and all night. So if we look at what are they saying? Holy. Holiness. Might. Eternality of this one who sits on the throne. He is supreme. So... We see this, the four creatures, they're praising God all day and all night. And then as John goes on, he takes another step back, and we see the camera angle widen a little bit. So we go from the throne to four, and now there's 24. 
And these 24 are saying, so while these four are worshiping God all day and all night, these 24 at the same time, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before him and say, worthy are you our Lord and God. There seems to be a little bit of a a more personal tone to this song. Worthy are you, another phrase, worthy is important, worthy is going to be repeated, worthy is going to be another theme that is going to go through these next two chapters. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, all means all, and by your will they existed and were created. I love how the King James says it. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For thy pleasure were made for God's glory. It was his pleasure he created all things. We, we get the sense of this one who is in the middle on the throne is almighty, worthy of praise, ceaseless praise day and night. So, so chapter 4, it's just kind of building. This one here, there was one who was worthy, and he is seated on the throne. And all day, all night, he is praised. Creator, almighty, holy God. So now we get to chapter 5. And this is where, this is where we want to spend the majority of our time to understand what is happening in this scene, I believe we have to know what's happening in chapter 4. Um, we want the whole context of what is going on. So the focal point of chapter 4 is just reiterating the one who is on the throne, he is the focal point of chapter 4. He is worthy of ceaseless praise and worship. The one who is sitting upon the throne is sitting upon the throne. He is ruling. Sovereign Lord, ruling all creation, which he created for his pleasure. So don't miss that. Some of these things, I believe, we know this. Yes, we know God is sovereign. We know he's ruling. But remember, remind yourself of these truths. He who is sitting upon the throne is sitting upon the throne ruling. Everything is just fine. Everything is happening the way it is supposed to be. He demands our praise and our worship. So now we move to chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. So while we have the the throne, we have the four, we have the 24, it's interesting that John immediately zooms in not only to the one on the throne, but to what he is holding in his hand. I mean, you can imagine the one on the throne is important, This scroll must be important if John is going to key in on this. There is importance to this scroll. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. No one. Nothing. In heaven, not not just human, nobody is able to open this. And I began to weep loudly because no one 
was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. So we have to ask, what is this scroll? Why is this scroll worth zooming in on and keying in on so much so that an angel proclaims, who is worthy to open this? Nobody is worthy. So much that John begins to weep. I mean, not, not only weep, weep loudly. I don't know if I've ever weeped loudly. So you can imagine, this is important. John knows what this scroll is so much that it causes him to weep because no one is there to open it. So what is the scroll? Some believe it is the, the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament that needs to be unlocked. Um, others believe um, it is a book of, of judgment, you know, the judgments that are going that are going to come. I believe it is a book of redemption and judgment. Listen to this quote by Beale. The book in chapter five should be understood as a covenantal promise of an inheritance when seen in the light of the above two identifications of the book, judgment. And redemption. One second. Of the broader theological context of the apocalypse concerning paradise lost and regained, God promised to Adam that he would reign over the earth. Although Adam forfeited this promise, Christ, the last Adam, was to inherit it. A human person had to open the book because the promise was made to humanity. But no person was found worthy to open it because all are sinners and stand under the judgment contained in the book. Nevertheless, Christ was found worthy because he suffered the final judgment as an innocent sacrificial victim on behalf of his people, whom he represented and consequently redeemed. So I believe the book contains the whole redemptive plan, the judgment to come forth, and the final you know, redemption, that's going to happen. So while John understands what this book is, what this book means, he's weeping loudly. There's no one there, and history would go on without these things being fulfilled. And I, I love this part. In chapter, or chapter 5, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and seven seals. So if you're like me, you hear this and you're like, yes, the lion, you know, the root of David. We, I can picture like a knight, like slaying the dragon, and now he comes victorious. Like that, that's just naturally what my mind goes to when you, you describe a champion, the one who is worthy. But, but that's not what happens. And the greatest paradox is about to unfold in these next few verses. So we hear the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. But how did he conquer? What does that mean, conquering? So the biggest paradox is that the lion is a lamb, a sacrificial lamb, who conquered by dying. And it's like, what? How can that? Like, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to happen. The champion wins by conquering the foe. But 
This one who was worthy conquers by being slain. I'm sure Satan had to have thought like, yes, I won. The lamb is dead. The lamb is slain. The lamb has conquered because he was slain, because of the cross, because of the resurrection. Remember this truth. It's so easy. We can, we can glance over this. We know, we know the cross is important. We know the resurrection is important. This is why it's important. He is found worthy to open the scroll that no man is able to open because he was slain, because he conquered death, because he was crucified. The lamb, the lion, the lion of Judah was slain as a lamb, a sacrificial lamb for us. This is personal to us when we're, we're talking about being slain. We're, we're talking about the cross. We're talking about the lion of Judah dying for us. We need to remember this again, refresh ourselves. You know, Who is this person who died for us? And we'll learn more about that as we keep going on. Verses 8. Let me see. We see. And before we see the lamb, and before, in verses 6, the lamb, before the throne, and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns, and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So, of everything that we know, of the one seated on the throne, who is the, the ultimate God, holy, mighty, holding this scroll, to have the audacity to walk up and to take it from his hand, not, not in the way that we picture audacity as arrogant. He's the only one who is able to do that. The only one to take it. And throughout the rest of the chapter... Keep in mind of this. Keep in mind of the silent approval of the one who is on the throne. We, we don't see that he says anything. But this continues. Almost as like just a silent agreement confirming, yes, you know, he is worthy. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. This is, we sing so many songs and hymns about, about this, these two passages right here. It, it's a wonder that we don't turn to this passage more often. It's amazing. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood... You ransomed people for God. Blood that is shed for us. This lion, this root of David, the one worthy, shed his blood for us to ransom us for God. Just think that through in your head. Just reiterate this old truth that we know, that, that Christ shed his blood for us. The blood 
of the Lamb were bought with a price. So he is worthy because he was slain. And because he was slain, the blood was used to ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And he has made them a kingdom and priest to our God. One more time, let me just read this. Worthy are you, the Lamb, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, you were crucified. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God. Us. Me. Put your name in there. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Not because of anything that we did, but because of the Lamb. The Lamb is worthy because of this. Let me just turn to Isaiah 53, just to help, again, reiterate, you know, what, what did the Lamb have to go through for us? And we know, we know this, but let's remind ourselves again. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. And he had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid our, their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we... Sorry, I lost my place. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. For he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this, his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Just as reading this, I realize how ironic that in Isaiah 53, we are described as sheep. Yet it was the lamb who was slain for, for our sins. Let's keep moving. Verse 11. Then I looked. And heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. If we could paralyze, or 
if we could just put all of chapter 5 into one sentence, it would be worthy as the lamb who was slain. The lamb is worthy. Only one is worthy of the highest praise. That is God. The lamb is worthy who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and blessing. Christ is the lamb. The lamb is God. We see a clear picture here of just the, the deity of Christ mentioned in here. And, and that makes the fact that the lamb was slain all the more beautiful. If, not saying this is rhetorical, this is true. The lamb is slain. He is worthy because he was slain. Only the one upon the throne is worthy of endless worship and praise. The lamb is worthy of worship and praise. God, the son, the lamb, shed his blood for us. The same one who demands all this worship and praise from us. Shed his blood for us. We, we can't move on from that. The fact that Christ died for sinners. And then verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It couldn't be any clearer. Christ's deity. And just let your imagination run wild. Just picture this. All creation, heaven on earth and under sea, all means all. All creation is worshiping the Lamb and the one who is on the throne, the Father and the Son. Blessing and glory and honor to them forever and ever. We know the cross. We know this truth. We've been told it time and time again. We need to be reminded of this truth time and time again because we try to move, we move on from it. The one who died for our sins, who shed his blood for us to redeem us, is God. God shed his blood for us. I mean, I mean, grasp that. The, the ultimate being, the, the holy, mighty, infinite, timeless one, shed his blood for our sins. And, and I think it's amazing the word blood is used. How much more personal can you get than to say blood when we're talking about, you know, almost like, oh, this guy's so far away. He's ultimate supreme, lives forever. He can't bleed. It says he bled for us. It's, it's personal. So just to... To summarize really quickly before we wrap up, chapter 4. Chapter 4 is about the Father, the one who is on the throne. 
worthy to receive endless praise and glory, created us for his pleasure. He is the one we direct our praise and worship to. Chapter 5, about the lamb, the son, slain for us. And there's a shift. In chapter 4, they were worshiping the one on the throne. Now they worship the one in the lamb. Not as if to say, we went from you and now we go to you, but they are equal. They are both worthy, a deity worthy of all our praise, honor, glory, and blessing. When I came to this passage, um, I I, I had something in mind, and then I started reading this passage and realized, wow, like, I mean, we hear Revelation, and it's exciting. Uh, a future, future events that are going to happen. What's going to happen? Um, I didn't expect to come here and, and see a big arrow pointing us back towards the cross. Almost as like on my text, there's just this red arrow reminding me back of something that I easily forget. Let me read Philippians chapter 2 just to summarize right before we leave. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among you yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, a sacrificial lamb, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God is worthy of all our worship. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for thank you for the price that you paid the blood that you spilt for us. Your rebellious creation. We are prone to wander like sheep, yet you were slain for us. You redeemed us. Lord, may we never grow tired of hearing this. May we never move on from this. Remind us Keep reminding us. You, the spotless lamb, the sacrificial lamb, God, shed your blood for us, for our sins. We owe all honor and praise and worship and blessing to you. In your name, amen.